0: 1 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 14 and 15. And then as a reference, I will also read for us Ephesians 6, 4. Now this is the word of God. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Uh, Good morning, church. Uh, As Pastor Walton said, yes, it is a great joy to be able to worship with um, people and children from all different ages, and we really hope that that joy can last (laughs) throughout the rest of the service. Um, But today, as we have families and the church all gathered here, I just want to ask or ask and answer two questions before us. Uh, The first is this question, what is a church? And the second is, what is a family? So first, what is a church? And second, what is a family? You know, when we look at the Bible, when we look at God's word, the church and the family are much closer than we would expect. Because first, when it comes to the church, it tells us that the church is a family. Today's passage that we read, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, as Paul is referencing the church, this is what he calls it. He says, the household of God, which is the church. Now, with this, I just want you to notice what comes first. Paul doesn't write here that we are the church, which is the household of God. Rather, he says, we are the household of God, which is the is the church. It's a slight difference, but what you put first radically changes how we view this body. Now, at this point, I'm going to just quiz some of the parents here in this room. And so, children, I'm going to ask you just to, uh, to, even though you know the answer, um, just please be quiet. <laughs> um, who is this individual? Now, children, please. I, I know you know, but I want to ask, who is this individual? Can you see him well? Yeah. Uh, children uh, or parents, if your child is in grades one to three, can you raise your hands? Because you should know this. <laughs> okay, uh, Time for a little um, mommy shaming or daddy <laughs> shaming. Um, yeah, who, who is this individual? Well, he's not a member of uh, BTS. Um, He is... Who is he? Uh, Could I ask? I think Sarah will know. Sarah? Yes, yes. Uh, Well, actually, no, no. He's, He's not Pastor Solomon. He is Solomon, right? He's Solomon Kang. But you would describe him in this way. He is Solomon Kang who is a pastor of the children's department, That's how you would describe him. He is Solomon, who is a pastor. You wouldn't say he's a pastor who is Solomon, though that makes sense. You actually state what's essential first and then a description. So you say he is Solomon, who is a pastor. So for parents, if you don't know, he's actually the pastor of the children, grades 1 to 3. You see, if you look in today's passage again, that's what Paul is doing. He's saying, we are the household of God. He states that which is essential, and then a descriptor. He says, we are the church of the living God. And the reason why Paul makes, he says it this way, is because we will always be the household of God, but the church The church, that's a description of God's people in the here and now. So, the church is a family. If the church is a family, then to our next question, what is a family? The second question, how should we understand the relationships that we have with our parents, our sisters, our brothers, and our children? And the best answer that the bible gives us is this the family is a church church is like a family and the family is like a church you know when you look at the bible and see how the bible describes the family the church is always looming in the background for instance When the Bible talks about the relationship between husband and wife, it uses the example of Jesus and the church. So those of you who are married or interested or looking to get married, right, Jesus and the church, that is couple goals, right? That's who Scripture tells us that we have to be like. The church should inform the family. Or, when the Bible talks about the qualification of elders in 1 Timothy 3, right, it talks about how can someone who doesn't manage his own household well manage the household of God, right? And so, we find that family and church are more alike than dissimilar. Or today's passage, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bringing them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. While this might seem just like a, a, a regular uh, instructions, regular instructions to fathers, if you actually look at the Bible, this is almost the exact paradigm of what God does for the church. Especially in Hebrews 12, if you look, the father, this idea of a father disciplining lovingly, not provoking to anger, but encouraging and bringing up. That's exactly what God does for the church. And this word for discipline used here, paideia, is actually the same word in Hebrews 12 when it speaks of God disciplining the church. Paideia, it's where we get the English word pedagogy, of teaching and rearing and educating. So, the point is this. The Bible wants us to see church and family not as two distinct groups, but two coherent groups that inform one another. In other words, through the family, we learn what it means to be the church. And through the church... We learn what it means to be a family. I would go as far as to say that, yes, absent from the church, you cannot do family in the biblical sense. And absent of the family, it's hard to do church. You know, just practically speaking, if I can say, you know, where do these things take place, right? Where do you worship Jesus? Where do you sing praises to God? Where is the instruction and the disciplining in the Lord? Where do all of these things take place? Both in the church and in the family. So, this idea, this concept should actually change how we view the church and family. Because too often, these two are pitted against one another, and we see them in competition. So, if I want to be family-oriented, which most millennial parents are now, if I want to be family-oriented, then I have to neglect the church. Or, if I want to be committed to the church, then I have to sacrifice and spend less time with the family. But you see, the Bible teaches us that Jesus, he is head of the church, and he is also head of our families. And do you think that Jesus is in competition with himself? The church and family are simply different contexts through which God can work the gospel into each and every one of our lives. You know, there's a new war going on right now. I'm not sure if you heard about it, but it's called the, uh, the Chicken War, <laughs> It's called the Chicken War. A war between Popeyes and Chick-fil-A. It's like the Duke and the Kentucky right now, just duking it out, right? Now, um, I'm not sure which one you enjoy more, but it's actually been good for both. We sort of see it as in competition with one another and this chicken war that's going on, but it's actually been good for Popeyes, and it's actually been really good for Chick-fil-A. And according to CNBC, do you know who it's really been good for? It's been great for the supplier, because they have the boat they have the same supplier. Popeyes? supplied by? Tyson. Chick-fil-A, supplied by? Yeah, surprise. It's not Jesus, but it's Tyson. Chick-fil-A, Popeyes, they have the same supplier. And it's been great for Tyson. You know, the church is a family. And family is the church. And the more we begin to blur these lines and have them continue to inform one another, the more we will get a greater sense of the kingdom of God. If you allow the church to really inform your family, if you allow the things and the practices of the church, the disciplining in the Lord, the worship of Jesus, the singing of praises, the commitment and prayer, if you allow the church to inform your family, and if you allow the dynamics of the family to inform the church, we will get a greater sense of what God's kingdom is like. Now, we talk about the church a lot, because this is a church, and we talk about the church being a family often. But today, let me briefly mention just a few points on the family being a church. If we believe that the church is a place saturated with the gospel, our expectations for our homes should be no different. Today's passage tells us that the church is a pillar of truth. In other words, it safeguards the truth of the gospel, and the family likewise should be a pillar of truth. So let me share some helpful principles, just three, and um, let me just give credit to where credit is due. A lot of these principles are from Paul Tripp's book on parenting. If you're interested, I could uh, provide you a copy or share the information. But uh, this is the first principle that I just want to share on family being like the church. Uh, And the principle is this. I am more like my blank than unlike them. And you can just fill in the blank however you like. I am more like my siblings than unlike them. I am more like my parents than unlike them. I am more like my children than unlike them. And the point of what this principle is teaching is this. You are like your family members in the same way because you are the same sinner in need of the same grace. Parents, you and your children are the same sinners in need of the same grace. Children, you and your parents are the same sinners in need of the same grace. And the reason why I think this principle is important is because a lot of our frustration and disappointment that we face in the family is because we forget this. We are more like them than unlike them. For instance, um, parents, have your children ever upset you? What a stupid question, right? (laughs) Of course. But when they upset you, have you ever thought these questions, or have you ever said these things out loud, for instance? When I was your age, I would have never thought of doing such a thing. Have you ever said that or thought that? Or have you ever thought or said this, I just can't believe that you would think of doing what you do. I can't believe it. My son's laughing because I say that all the time. (laughs) The joy of family worship. (laughs) Or have you ever thought this or said this? I just don't know where this stuff comes from. Where does this stuff come from? Where do you get this stuff from? You know, if you examine these thoughts, these questions, they're actually rooted in a deep, self-righteous spirit see at the heart of all of these thoughts is this thought i'm better than you i would have never done that you know what's really interesting about the church and family self-righteousness can be sniffed out pretty quickly in the church In the church, we are like police dogs. We can smell self-righteousness a mile away, and we can call that out. That is a self-righteous spirit. But in the church or in our homes, in our families, we parade around with a self-righteous spirit all the time. How could you do such a thing? Where did all this come from? When I was your age, I would have never done that. You know, in our homes, we carry around a real self-righteous spirit often. In the church, we try to operate by grace, but at home, we quickly revert to law. And often I find that Christians are more compassionate, understanding, and forgiving of other Christians than their own family members. But if you ever start to see your own sins through the sins of your aging parents or if you ever start to see your own sins through your own rebellious children, it is humbling to say the least. You realize that the cross is for me as much as it is for my family members. So just be aware that when you see sin in your family, maybe it's in your parents, your siblings, or your children, remember that You are more like them than unlike them. The second principle that I want to share is is, this. I give grace by humbling, admitting I need it too. Practically, this means owning up to your mistakes and asking for forgiveness. Have you ever asked someone younger than you for forgiveness? Have you parents ever asked children to forgive you. And parents, I'm not talking about half-hearted apologies, because we are great at half-hearted apologies, right? Like, son, I'm sorry I got upset at you, but you know, you did spill the milk, right? <laughs> I'm talking about genuine, humble admittance and a seeking after grace. Grace. You know, the thing is, grace is so foreign that for us to give it, we have to first receive it. Grace isn't something that we could ever produce on our own, so it's something that we have to experience and receive to actually give. And if you want to be a gracious mother, gracious father, if you want to be a forgiving son, forgiving mom, you need to first admit it and receive it. You have to admit your need for it. Uh, Paul Tripp he says this: No one gives grace better than a parent who humbly admits that he desperately needs it himself. If we are going to be forgiving, we need to admit our need for forgiveness. I, I don't know. I think for some of us, we, you know, a lot of us, maybe we think that if we truly apologize or ask for for forgiveness that in some way they're going to take advantage of it or use it to their advantage. Really? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. But I think once we humbly admit our need for forgiveness, that we are sinners too, that allows us to also give it. So practically, you know, this passage, uh, Ephesians 6, 4, that we've read, as it talks about parents or fathers instructing and rearing your child in the Lord, a lot of that is modeling. When the Bible talks about instructing children, a lot of it is modeling, modeling. You know, in the well-known passage, uh, Shema, in Deuteronomy 6, where it talks about parents teaching the children of the Lord, it it doesn't just speak of giving them propositional truths, giving them doctrine. But Deuteronomy 6, if you look from verses 20 to 25, it actually talks about telling them how the Lord has worked in your own heart, sharing your own testimony of how God has saved you and how you need grace. And a lot of parenting And rearing your children in the Lord is modeling it. I found that to be really interesting because, you know, one of our pastors, Walton, he's, uh, you know, very vocal, very just, you know, he's he's so excited and enthused in worship. You know, and and Timmy is right here just modeling that. (laughs) He's modeling it. A lot of parenting is modeling. Admitting your need for grace and saying, yeah, I'm a sinner too. Would you forgive me? Now, personally, I find this to be extremely difficult because I wrestle a lot with this. And I, and I think a lot to myself, how can I say I'm sorry to my own children if I never once heard my own dad say I'm sorry? How can I model this when I've never experienced it on my own? How can I say, forgive me, to my own children, when I've never heard that once from my own father, though he messed up and sinned? How can I be vulnerable and gospel-centered in my own home? How can I model something that I never saw? And I think that brings us to the third point. It's this this principle, and it's this. I'm not bound by the mistakes of my previous generation. Friends, in the gospel, there is freedom. There is freedom and release from the sins of your past generation. Even if your parents are not believers, and even though they might have been terrible parents, you do not have to be ensnared, living in the ripples of their mistakes. You do not have to become deaf hearing the echoes of their mistake reverberate. In the gospel, there is freedom. There is a release from the sins of your parents and for how you were raised. In the gospel, there is freedom and hope from this vicious cycle of sin that we often see in our families and we can be free. We can be free to live the gospel in our homes. You I just want to close with just this thought, summarizing what we've talked about. If we want to learn to grow to be a church, we have to let the household, our families, inform it. And parents, this is probably what you're more interested in. If you want to grow in being a a gospel-centered family, you have to let the church inform it. Once these two things are working in tandem with one another, we find that the Lord Jesus, he is Lord over all, and he is pleased. Would you join me in prayer at this time?